Well, good morning. Uh, it is very, very, very good to be with you this morning. As Fred said, we got a chance to spend 10 days uh, in Kenya. And let me just tell you right now, uh, our mission partners, Mohi, are unbelievable. It really is unbelievable what they're doing for kids um, in Africa. And so I thought I would share a couple pictures. Uh, the first one is from Area 2, which is a school that we have uh, collectively with some other churches helped build uh, over there. These are kids from that school specifically. And uh, if you sponsor a child, we got to spend time with them. We also got to visit a few homes of some children that are sponsored by this church. Um, there's about 780 some kids in that, in that school and we got to see every single one of them. Uh, so it was amazing. And then we flew from there to Chimani, which is on the East coast of Kenya. It is kind of the newest and, uh, uh, freshest frontier for Mohi. Uh, and the first day there were 203 kids who were in enrolled in school that showed up. Uh, so funny. Uh, the pastor there, we, we were a little late getting there. And so he said, we got, we got enough time to send, we're going to just break them into three small groups of 68. I'm not sure that Dan, Pastor Dan in Chumani, Africa knows what a small group is yet, but it's not 68, okay? Uh, and the next day we had another 200 kids, not a part of the school yet, show up. Um, and then the other 200 also came, so it was chaos. Um, but it was so much fun to be able to go and do that. Uh, and I just want you to know that what Mohi is doing in Africa, it really truly is unbelievable. Um, I would encourage you uh, next week to come on Sunday nights. I'd encourage you to go on a mission trip. Man, it, it just changes your heart. I, I can't even explain to you. I'm not sure what we did for them, but I know what they did for me. And so I would encourage you, if you're thinking about that, to do that because it is an unbelievable experience. So let me pray for you, and then uh, we're going to jump in. Jesus, thank you so much. Uh, we have sang over and over this morning about your victory through death. And we're going to now just learn about it. We're going to listen to Paul's words. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill this room. I pray that you would move in our hearts. I pray that you would stir us towards love and good deeds. We desire to give you all the honor and glory this morning because you deserve it. Because you are the King of Kings. You are our Savior and our Redeemer and our Lord. We thank you for that, Jesus. We pray these things in your precious name. Amen. So being on a mission trip, uh, it's fun. You know, you reminisce when you're on a mission trip about other trips that you've taken. And uh, this past week, uh, a story came back to my mind. Uh, a few years ago, we went to Haiti to work with Northwest Christian Mission. Uh, and we worked specifically with special needs uh, kids when we were down there. And, and one of the things is about the, where they have this facility, it used to be a hospital. There's three floors. The bottom floor is where they have these kids uh, that have special needs, live with special needs. And so uh, because of the size of the group that we took, uh, the leaders down there, Stephanie, she's like, I would love to take these kids to the beach. And it was a big wall that surrounds this place. They're kind of down in the underground, uh, so to say. So they don't really ever see, I mean, they're, they're literally, you can see the beach from the facility, uh, but they don't ever see it because uh, they don't, they're not able to access stairs and go upstairs. And so we're like, yes, let's do it. And so uh, in Haiti, they just bring basically a dump truck with benches in the back for you to get in, which is like craziness, but that's how we traveled over to the beach. Um, and we hit the beach and the kids are so excited about this opportunity. And let me tell you this, like, a lot of them are mobile, a lot of them are not. Um, the ones that are mobile, they're fast, okay? They're fast. Um, a lot of them uh, have uh, club feet, and so they crawl, but they've crawled so long in their lives, everything's callous, their knees, their feet, and they can just move. 
And so uh, we opened up the back of the tap tap is what they called it as a dump truck. And man, these kids just beeline it for the beach in the ocean. And, and at one point I'm watching these kids just like get into the ocean. It's pure joy. We're excited. They're excited. And then Stephanie yells from behind us, just a reminder, none of these kids can swim. Right? And I'll never forget it. I looked at Sean, Markham and I, and we looked at each other and we just sprinted to the ocean. We're like picking up kids, dragging them back out. We're gonna lose one of these kids, okay? Like they're just going straight into the ocean like it's gonna be their friend. It's not. And so we grab them back out. Uh, we blow up inner tubes. We get them back in the water. They're safe then in inside inner tubes because they can't drown. But I, I'm sitting there thinking as after we got all the chaos settled, I'm like, Stephanie, you know what? You missed what was most important before we needed to know at the most important moment, right? Like most important would have been before we left the facility, just a reminder, none of these kids know how to swim. So when we get there, don't let them get in the ocean, right? That would have been helpful. That didn't happen, right? And so it created this moment of chaos. And thankfully we did not lose a child. I can test to that. We did not lose a child that year. Uh, but Paul, Paul's already visited the Corinthian church. We're reading this message of Paul's. We're talking about this series, bodybuilders, what we need to do to work out. Paul's already been there and he's already told them what's most important. He's already shared that with them. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he does so again because he doesn't want them to forget it. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you. Use that, open up with us. I would love for you to follow along this morning as we read God's word. So he is in chapter 15, as we're moving on through this, he, he's wanting to make sure that they remember what he passed on to them. So he starts in verse one, says this. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then and you still stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I have told you. Unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by the, all the apostles. Last of, the, uh, of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him for I'm the least of all the apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I've worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I, but God who was working through me by his grace." So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach, for we all preach the same message you have already believed. You see, Paul comes to them and says, listen, I'm gonna pass on to you the most important. And here's the thing, the context is, is very key for us. And remember the context is king. So understanding that he's writing to the Corinth church. The Corinth church, Corinth was uh, a very, very uh, busy area of thoroughfare. If you were traveling by foot north and south, you would travel through Corinth. If you were going by sea, you would come through Corinth east and west. And so it was a very much a melting pot of people, um, of different religions and thoughts. Uh, 
primarily who he's writing to is a culture of Greek people who did not believe in the resurrection. They just didn't, they plain old didn't believe that there could be resurrection. You also have the Romans that are there. I mean, we all know what the Romans believed, right? They're the ones who crucified Jesus um, and are still struggling to prove that he is uh, dead at this time, right? And so here he's writing to them. And of course, right in their face, as these young infant Christians are struggling with a new belief in Jesus, it's three years they've been a church and really believed in Jesus. And flying in their face is all these people saying, well, the resurrection really isn't that true. Jesus actually didn't come back to life. It didn't actually take place the way you guys say and claim it take place. And so Paul's saying, no, 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 remember, I passed on to you what was most important, what also had been passed on to me. He, he wants to make sure this message that we've told you, that I've told you before, when I came the first time, it is as true as it is then as it is today. And here's this question about whether the resurrection actually happened or not. Now I could get into a lot of different ways today. I don't have time. A lot of different ways that we could prove that, hey, you know what? It's gotta be true. Not only because he lists, okay, here's all the people who have seen the resurrected Jesus. Peter saw him when he reinstated him. Disciple saw him when he said he was uh, gonna send a helper, an advocate. Uh, Thomas saw him uh, when, Tom, when he says, hey, look, you just put your hands and put your fist in my side, right? And then over 500 people at once saw the resurrected Jesus. And even when Paul's writing this, he's like, listen, some of them are alive. Go ask them. Go ask them. But, but there's, there's different things about the story of the resurrection that, that point to it has to be true. Uh, I'll just give you one of them because we don't have time to go to all of them today. One, okay. Who found the empty tomb? Mary did. Right? If I was going to try to convince you, if I was one of the disciples at this time, I was going to try to convince you of something I knew wasn't true. It was a hoax. It was a lie. I would never have chosen a female to find Jesus' body, uh, or excuse me, empty tomb. Why? Because a female's uh, testimony in a court of law at that time meant nothing. It just did. Now, that's not to offend you women in here today. That's just the way the world worked back then. It's the context. It didn't mean anything. So if, if Mary saw Jesus had been resurrected, no man would listen to that testimony. They just shouldn't because it was a female and female testimonies did not count in this time. So why, if this was not true, why else would you choose a female to be the one who reported to the disciples that Jesus actually resurrected? If I was trying to make up some story for you to believe, I would have chosen a male. I could continue to go on, but there's no need for me to because uh, that's not the point today. The point is that Paul's passing on what's most important. He says, listen, these are the people who saw him. And then as if, I'm, as if I was born at the wrong time, I saw him. Remember the Damascus road? You remember Paul's conversion? Like I got the chance to see him. And so Paul says, listen, that, that, that should be enough for you to understand that. It should be enough for you to see the change in my life. Now I do all these things by what? By the grace of God, because he uses me because of the resurrection. And then he continues because he wants to make the point and he wants to address the question. Verse 12 says this, but tell me this, since we preach Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there'll be no resurrection from the dead? For if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. 
And if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection from the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope for, excuse me, if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in all the world. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of the great harvest of all who have died. So you see that death came into the world through a man. Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man. Just as everyone dies, we all belong to Adam and everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he comes back. I love this part of the passage because Paul says, listen, here's the deal. If Christ, if there is no resurrection from the dead, if, if what these people are telling you and you're starting to believe, if there is no resurrection from the dead, then that means Jesus was never resurrected. If Jesus was never re resurrected, then your faith in Jesus is useless. Useless you're still guilty of your sin. You're not forgiven. It says, listen, us as preachers and teachers, if Christ hasn't risen, then I'm a liar. I'm a liar. If Christ hasn't risen from the dead, we're wasting our time. What's the point in us being here? If Jesus actually didn't rise from the grave, this is a joke. Give me your Colts tickets. I'll go to the game, not preach second service. It's pointless. It's useless. Paul says in verse 19, and if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are to be more pitied than anyone in all the world. I consider myself an 80s kid. Now I was a little, I was born in the 80s, but I was kind of ushered into some of the other 80s stuff because I had an older brother. So I was watching things I should never have been watching as like Rambo. <laughs> it's not good at four years old to watch Rambo, okay? That's what's wrong with me. But one of the things that we watched because my brother watched it was the A-team. Do you remember the A-team, right? I don't remember a ton about it. I do remember the GMC black and orange van that they rode in that was bossed, you know? I remember the action. I remember Mr. T and all the necklaces. And I remember what Mr. T used to say because I had a little pole doll, you know, like a pole string doll. And you pull a string and say, I pity the fool, right? <laughs> it was pulled back. I mean, I pulled that thing all day long, you know? <laughs> My mom would be like, boys, clean your room. I pity the fool, you know? <laughs> Tell me what to do, mom, you know? So I love that little thing. Well, that's what Paul says. I pity the fool that believes in the resurrection if it isn't true. You're the most pitied in all the world if this isn't true. Because you're just hoping for something that when you die, it isn't gonna mean anything. Your faith is absolutely useless if it only means it's for this world. Unless 
unless Jesus actually did resurrect from the dead, unless Jesus actually did pay the penalty of your sins so that you are forgiven fully, freely, and forever, unless he did ascend into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father, unless he is interceding on our behalf, unless he is preparing a place for us in heaven. You see, Paul says, if you're gonna believe that, you either gotta go all in on yes or you gotta go all in on no. There's no middle ground here. He says, if Christ has not been raised, then all of our preaching is useless. If Christ hasn't been raised, then I just wasted 10 days in Africa. I could have spent those 10 days with my kids and my wife doing something fun. If Christ has not been raised, then that kid that you support in Africa, you're just wasting your money sending it to him. Who cares if they ever know the name of Jesus? If he died 2023 years ago, never came out of a grave. Who cares? It's useless, Paul says. This is why he is sharing what is of most importance. Paul says, I pass on to you what was most important, what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Just as scriptures said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scriptures said. He was seen by Peter, then by the 12. After that, he was seen by over 500 followers at one time, most of all, whom are still alive. Some have died. Then he was seen by James and by all the other apostles. The last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul says, listen, this, this is, <laughs> I don't know how to say this other than this is the most important thing I could tell you. It's the reason we picked this as the lesson to teach the kids when we went and did this abbreviated VVS with small groups of 68. Right? I'm still like, y'all don't know what a small group is. This is even legal in the state of Indiana. But what did we share with them? We shared with them that Christ died and was resurrected and he's alive. You know what's amazing is that when I asked them the question, three days later after Jesus died on the cross, what happened? They would say this word. And I looked at the translator. I'm like, what are they saying? He's like, resurrected. They knew it. They knew it. I don't think that was useless. I wouldn't commit 10 days to being apart from my family if it was useless. I don't think this church would spend the money that we spend on missions globally if it was useless. And so it kind of begs uh, two questions and two questions I've been wrestling with as well. And it's for two different people in here. So if you believe in Jesus' resurrection, then the question is, who are you passing the most important news to? Do you remember what Paul says? I gave, I gave to you uh, what was given to me. 
I pass on what was most important because what was most important to somebody else, they gave it to me and now I'm passing it on to you. And so the question is, I'm passing it on to you. What are you, who are you gonna pass it on to? I don't wanna offend any of you in here, but I need to ask this question too. If you're not passing it on to somebody else, what are you doing? Do you actually believe it? Because this is the most important thing you could ever give to somebody. The good news that there's eternal life in heaven. That's it, that's the greatest thing. The greatest thing that we could ever pass to somebody. And here's the thing I used to tell student ministry, I'll tell you as adults, because it's true for you too. The worst thing somebody could do is tell you, no, I don't want to believe in that. It's the worst thing they could do. You're a fool. I don't believe in that. Okay, well, I wanted you to know that today. I was reminded of this when we were in Kenya. We, out in Chimani, uh, we stayed at this uh, place right on the Indian Ocean. The beach was right there. Uh, it was beautiful. I mean, I've never been to the Indian Ocean. It's, it's amazing to watch the sun come up over the Indian Ocean. It's a pretty cool experience. Uh, but as you come up off the beach, uh, just like any other beach, there's panhandlers. There's five guys there trying to sell us uh, American something. Uh, and as we came up the beach, all of our team, we kind of passed by them, uh, except for one. I mean, you remember one of the per- people that was on our trip, right? I bet you can guess right here. It's our boy Fred, you know? Like Fred will talk to anybody, okay? And so uh, Fred stays there and he's talking to him. And, and probably, I mean, we, we got up, we like dinner started, you know, we're like getting ready to eat dinner. And then all here, finally, here comes Fred. He tells us the deal he worked out for some keychains for his kiddos, you know. And then he tells us, well, I just went ahead and asked them if they believed in Jesus and if they wanted to come to church with us tomorrow. They said, yes. So I'm gonna work it out so that the van takes us to church about 25 minutes away that I'll come back, pick up those, people, those guys and bring them to church with us. And in my mind, I'm thinking, they ain't showing up, Fred. Right? They're panhandlers. You've been fooled. There's no shot they're showing up. So we get to church the next day. Uh, the van, uh, the, we figured out there was been some miscommunication with them. We weren't sure they were actually gonna actually be connected. They were actually there. They were there. Church, we're about in the middle of the message and all of a sudden somebody, one of the other team members taps me on the shoulder and says, look. I looked at the back of the church. Here come those five guys. Here come those five guys. Sermon finishes. You know what the sermon was about? Sermon was about making good decisions. <laughs> you think those boys needed to be in that sermon? Yes, they did, right? <laughs> like, at least they made one good decision. They took Fred up on his offer. End of the message. Pastor Dan gets a microphone and he is fired up, right? This was like a, 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 he was having the men lead the service. So man, worship, I wish I could show you videos of this worship. I wish I could be the one worship leader in the front. I mean, he just walked around and was doing this the entire time. And I'm like, I could, I could do that. Let me be that guy. Um, this is different than worship here. It's, it's like everybody's going crazy. I mean, they're dancing everywhere. But at the end of the sermon, Pastor Dan's all fired up and he's like, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord, he is, he is doing what Paul's doing. He grabs the mic and begins doing what Paul's doing. 
And what happens? These two guys come down front, Lucky and Emmanuel, two of the guys that Fred invited. They accept Jesus <laughs> at that service. That's Fred praying over the two guys. We got them connected to Pastor Dan. Pastor Dan got their cell phone numbers. He's going to get them connected to a church closer to where they're from. But why? Because Fred isn't ashamed of the gospel. Because Fred isn't afraid to say to some panhandlers on the beach in Chumani, Kenya, Africa, hey, why don't you come to church? I'm going to share with you uh, the most important thing I got. Sure, we could have given money to eat dinner. Sure, we could have bought the things that they had so that they'd have money to be able to sustain themselves. But Fred gave him the best that he had. The most important thing he had. And so again, if you believe in Jesus' resurrection, who are you sharing that with? Who are you passing the most important message on to? But for those of you in the room who do not believe in Jesus' resurrection, you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and been baptized as a result. Why not start today? Why not start today? Listen, the best I got for you this morning is that Jesus died on a cross for you so that you could be forgiven fully, freely, and forever. Three days later, he rose from the grave, defeating death, was seen by many, ascended into heaven, took the seat at the right hand of God the Father, and he intercedes on our behalf, and he's preparing a place for you. So why not today begin the journey of following Jesus? I passed on to you what was most important and what has also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as scriptures said. You see, this wasn't the first time nor the last that Paul would share what was most important. Colossians chapter one, don't turn there, just listen this morning. Verse 15, he says this. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He exists before anything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him, God reconciling everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and your actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. And as a result, he's brought you into his own presence and you are holy and you are blameless. And as you stand before him without a single fault, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Listen, the most important thing I got for you this morning 
is that he came and died on a cross for you so that you could have life, have it to the full. And I know what you're thinking. If you don't believe in Jesus in here, I know what you're thinking, but you don't understand, Pastor. I, I don't, you don't understand what my, how messed up my life is right now. You don't understand the sin that, I, that right now is driving me. You don't understand the addiction I got going on. You, don't, you just have no clue. Listen, I don't know you, but I do know David. David slept with another man's wife and then had her husband killed so that he could have her. And the Bible tells us that he is a man after God's own heart. I'm pretty sure you haven't done that today. If you had, come let us know. We're gonna have to turn you into authorities, okay? Like legal issues there, okay? Pretty sure you haven't done that today, which means you can come. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 10, 9, that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our hearts that Christ rose from the dead, that, that we can be saved. That's all it takes. There's no fancy formula. There's no fixing things up. Your sin is what qualifies you for a savior. You can come today. This can start today. You can do this journey today. Please take what is most important. He did this for you. Let's begin that journey today. So here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna pray for you. The band's gonna sing, I will rise. But uh, my wife, Amanda, she's gonna join me right up here in a minute after service. We're gonna have another elder on this side of the stage. If you wanna accept Jesus, come forward, let's do this. Listen, we got towels, we got t-shirts, we'll baptize you today. There's no need to wait. There's no need to wait. He's standing here with arms wide open, ready to receive you. We'll pray with you, process with you. If you don't want to be baptized today, you don't want to be baptized today, but the water's over there and we're ready, okay? We're ready. I'm fired up. Let's go. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for dying on the cross and giving us new life, for forgiving us fully, freely, and forever. Thank you for ascending into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father and interceding on our behalf. Why us? I'll never know, but I am so overwhelmed with gratitude. And so I pray for anyone in this room who has not accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior, would you stir their hearts now to do so? You promise that you sent your Holy Spirit and that you'll help us become more like you. We'll take care of, you will take care of those issues and things going on in our lives. But for now, would you allow us to confess with our mouths, believe with our heart that you rose from the grave and that we are saved. For those of us in the room that know Jesus as our Lord and Savior, would you stir the hearts to share what is most important? The good news that this world so desperately needs. Help us to do that with boldness. Help us to step out of our comfort zone and just to share, Jesus, we want to make your name famous. Help us to do that, even this week. Oh, Jesus, we love you, praise you, we thank you. We give you all the honor and glory this morning. Jesus, we pray these things in your precious name. Amen.